Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together, they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law. And the Real Estate Radio Hour. And here we are, back once again, talking real estate, always welcoming your phone calls or text messages uh, for uh, Chris and Andy. Uh, I'll get, in fact, why don't I just give you the numbers right now before we get underway? 651 989 9226. Text is 81807 for your real estate related questions. Morning, guys. Good to see you. Good morning. Do you have a nice fourth, I hope? Absolutely. Yeah, we were up in uh, Alexandria enjoying Lake Ida. And, uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good time. How about you, Rooney? I uh, enjoyed uh, downtown Excelsior. You did? Yeah, long, far away. Yeah. It was good. It was really good. Good. I mean, obviously the weather was a little uh, challenging, but it opened up and it uh, turned out really good. Not yeah. too bad today, though. Jeez. What about open houses now? Again, we talk about how weather can affect your your open houses and the market itself. Probably more even the holidays, holidays than the now. weather, because I think that you know we were we were just talking before the show about the marketplace right now, and there's some interesting stats coming out that are, you know, indicators of what may be coming. And in it, a, um, but anyway, the open houses generally yeah. are slower. So what we I did anyway was we had our open houses last weekend, and then now we're also um, we're hitting them again this weekend again. And, and you are. See, that's we we went last weekend, but we didn't do this weekend. But I think when the fourth kind of falls right in the middle of the week, mm-hmm. you kind of got to guess. But usually, yeah. I mean, it's 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 dead zone. Well, my a lot of my agents, though, too, they're pretty. You know, they they want business, so they're out there. They're being a little more aggressive than they probably should be, and maybe they'll get a couple chapters of their favorite book read. But you know, it's it's okay. It's the effort that counts, and it's getting out there when the consumer wants to see stuff is really important. The timing is is always tricky to guess, yeah. but. And we usually find um, historically that it, it slows down kind of in that July 1st to July mm-hmm. 15th range. But, uh, I mean, I'm still seeing some activity, which is good for um, showings and uh, people that want to get out. So hopefully uh, we're, we're not going to hit that because uh, nothing's nothing's new anymore. Right. Well, and, you know, and we were just looking at, um, you know, there's a couple stats that we were kind of, you know, reviewing and trying to decide what it means. And I know Chris and I have been saying this the last couple of months, how, it has been a little slower, and we're usually ahead of what they're talking about in the paper or right. you know, the news reports because we're living it, right? So That's right. Um, we've seen that slow down for a couple of months. Now the, the actual numbers coming out are starting to show a little bit of a lag. Um, not that there's not effort. Everybody wants it. It's just that it's, it's the inventories are lower. 
Um, you know, closed sales are down uh, through the year here about 11%. So the sales are slowing. And what's happening is there's just less houses coming on the market. But the good things are is that, uh, you know, when we look at the economists and they keep telling us that, you know, payrolls are going up, unemployment is still trending down. So people have the money, they have the will, they just don't have the products to buy. And so what's happening is a lot of people are uncomfortable with the marketplace. And, and what I think there's a problem with is the variety of what they can buy. New construction is supposed to be the savior this year, and it's not. It, they just can't hit the price points that we want anymore. We have to, as cities and as communities, we have to really take a look at the affordability of new construction because even though we need it, they, people just can't afford it. I mean, when new construction starts at 350000 for a single-family house for a, you know, a split entry or something like that, and it's not a big house, it's a two-bedroom, one-bath, two-car garage, I mean, you can get them in the mid-low 300s, that's expensive. That I mean, is. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like... New construction's not really uh, sufficing the market needs. So we're having to, you know, just struggle through a market that's a little slower. It's competitive and it's, um, you know. You know, if you talk about closed sales being down, and I, I think I'm as busy or as busy as I've ever been, yep. but I got a lot of people sitting on the sidelines that right. they're ready, but they're afraid to put theirs on the market because they're not really seeing what they could get out there. Right. And they're not confident in it. And then it's kind of like, all right, well, if I sell mine, and I have to go, you know, I have to go rent. I've had three right. people this year make that decision right. that they're, hey, this is the decision. We're going to sell. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to maximize everything that we can possibly get. And then we're going to rent. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to wait it out. Well, there's so, plenty of that. I mean, the the part of the new construction numbers, Denny, shows the apartment doors being built as well. And there's there's plenty of apartment doors being built for people that want to be renters. And that's about the only way they're filling that gap is that, you know, the housing needs is so, but it's. What I found was really interesting was there was also another uh, with mortgage financing and taking a look back to like 2010, um, 11, 12, where we had a majority of our housing was being financed FHA and, you know, which is lower money down and, and, uh, you know, uh, first time home buyers typically government loan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, that was up to as high as 45% of the market back in like 2010. And so it was a lot of the buyers coming in with FHA financing. Now that's down to under 10%, which is really crazy to me. And what's happened is conventional financing uh, has gone through the roof. It's 70% of the buyers right now using conventional financing. Another interesting stat was 2011, we had the peak of our cash buyers. It was almost 30% of the market in uh, 2011 was all cash buyers. And now that's down to about, uh, it's about 12%, which is still solid. But it's, you know, what's interesting is just things are changing around us. And so people are, are using less traditional ways of, of financing. And, and I think, I think yeah. that FHA, number one, has, has made some changes mm-hmm. where mortgage insurance stays on for the life of the loan, right. which has kind of made it less attractive. I think conventional financing has come up with some really interesting programs yep. you know, that can compete with that. So I, th- I think I can explain that. I think the cash was because in 2010, there was a ton of um, flipping going on and buying houses and these investors were buying these houses for cash. Was now there's not 60, as much. It was to, to answer your. It was actually sixty percent of the market. You're right on the money. So sixty percent of the market back then was distressed foreclosures, short sales, and and now it's less than two point six percent. Wow, they're gone. They're they're, they're only there because there's a, a ratio of people that you know have that happen. But it's it's not a part a factor in the economy anymore with housing anyway. So I'm showing a short sale today, and I almost fell over. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I got to remember how to do that. Yeah. You know, but, go back uh, and uh, yeah. blow the dust off the old uh, books and. Yeah, exactly. Cause Weevil. Yeah, it, he, they're actually representing it on the other side. Good. But um, I did. Uh, 
I, was, I saw one the other day that um, was really quite interesting. It, mm-hmm. it was a, a, a rental for someone, but they um, stopped making the payments, and it's in foreclosure, but it's not a short sale. Hmm. People are like, what, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that there is enough equity in there. They just haven't been making their payments, so the mortgage company is forcing it, and so we just have to close by a certain time, then they can pay it off. Hmm. Obviously, their credit you know, gets zinged, but it's not like it's a short sale, but it's it's in foreclosure. So crazy. You, you, you didn't see those uh, that often either. But now I think with the equity, you know, that's going up um, in everyone's property. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, obviously, it's down to, what, 2.3%. Well, yeah, and the median price, Danny, the thing that everybody looks at is like when you sell, how much money do I get? And that median price still keeps kind of going up there about 8% so far, um, reflectively on what's been selling. So it's, you know, inventories are down about 17%, but the median sale price is up, of course, you know, less supply, more demand and you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah. but anyway. And that's, you know, we we get that talk all the time and it's kind of like uh, we have some listings that they don't all sell immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you might be kind of pushing it. There might be some things that are holding people back, but there's some market segments that are crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, that you go in and, you know, you get multiple offers and they're, and they're being, I mm-hmm. mean, kind of out of touch. But then there's other ones that they have to sit for a while. I mean, yeah. you, you start seeing like in the upper bracket homes as you kind of move up. Right. You know, there's people go through, um, I don't know, kind of a process in their own minds before they purchase something. Sure. Now, you typically say, you know, the people that are going to buy our listing mm-hmm. um, have probably seen it already in the 30 days. But maybe it's 120 days later, 180 days later, they finally kind of work through that process to be able to say, you know what, mm-hmm. nothing else is really coming on. That's the one I want, mm-hmm. or they figured out what they had, or they've been busy. Right. I mean, and that happens a lot in the summer. People it get sure time does. off, and you know, and they, they kind of put it on the back burner. So. Well, you know, when you talk to these subs too, Denny, the new construction folks that are out there building houses, they're exhausted. They have had no break. They're working around the clock trying to keep up with the orders that came in over the winter and the spring. And what's happening though is as they're going through this, they're they you know lumber was high, now it's back down. But I mean. Material costs, labor costs, everything, are they're trying to raise those prices again. And I just, I think they're doing the wrong thing. I mean, I get it. We all want to raise. But what's happening is, is they're putting too much pressure on that industry at one time with materials going up, labor's going up, interest rates just went up. And all of a sudden, you're going to see everybody sitting on the sidelines three days a week if they're not careful with what they uh, what they raise to. So, That's a good point. Yep. Tell you what, let's uh, take a break. And we have uh, more show to come. It's a real estate show around every Saturday. In the 10 o'clock hour here on CCO, if you have a real estate kind of question, call us, 651-989-9226, or send a text at 81807. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on A3OWCCO. Chris and Andy in studio. Again, if you have a question related to real estate, the guys always like to answer yours. Again, by phone or by text. Text number is 81807. It's always interesting during the breaks that I forget yeah. what we're, we have to talk about now. <laughs> it's real estate. <laughs> you get Andy, I'll tell you. We, we get off has, on tangents. He's one of the kind. Actually, you had a lot a nice little history lesson for us. I did? Yeah. yeah good. good. Hey, let's talk about, um, you know, we always talk about getting your house ready, mm-hmm. um, you know, purchasing it, what it takes to purchase it and stuff like that. But uh a lot of things we don't talk about is like after the sale and yeah. what happens. I think, uh, you know, there's, there's some certain things that I think uh, people should do that we uh, remind people. But one of the big things, um, and they remind you at the closing, is filing for homestead mm-hmm. and what that means. 
And so um, obviously in the state of Minnesota, if you if you live in a house and you own that house, uh, there's some other example. There's some other ways in which to do it, too. Sure. There's a relative homestead. But that you get a little tax break. Now, the tax break is not as much as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically what you have to do is you have to be living in that house by December 1st to homestead for the following year. You have until December 15th to bring it in and get it mm-hmm. done. But then your taxes, I mean, where it used to be double, sometimes two and a half times, yep. is now it's maybe a couple hundred dollars more if right. it's non-homestead right. tax. Well, you know, one of the other things I do, uh, Chris, especially with our existing homes where we're in a, a neighborhood where maybe somebody's lived there for 20, 30 years and the neighbor who used to have the key, they've passed on. And, and you know, I'm big on security. So what I would recommend that you do once you buy that new house as well is spend the money, buy some really nice new locks. There's a lot of the new locks with the technology in them, everything from the thumbprint IDs to the actual like smartphone concept of and then, and then you know that when they hand you that wad of keys, they don't know where all those keys are, if there's one missing or not missing or whatever. Not that I, I worry about the neighborhood as much as, you know, you probably could. Um, but just getting those keys, fresh set of keys in there, um, then you know what's going on. And, and I always recommend, too, is when you do get the new keys, because now you don't have the neighbor with the key that you used to be able to go borrow from, hiding a lockbox is one of the things. Just like the new home construction builders will do, they'll put a lockbox on the front of the house or in the garage or behind the house or whatever, Put a key in there so that if you do have to have somebody enter that house or you forget or you lock yourself out of the house, you actually have a great – and a lot of people don't think about that stuff, but it's, it's one of the first things I would do is hide a key. Yeah, no question. With those garage door openers too, I mean just having that different code because you just you just don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and you might as well uh, kind of be safe on that stuff. Sure. The other thing, because um, I've just ran into this, is that, I mean, typically during your inspection, mm-hmm. they'll check your sump pump. Yep. You know, but that's another thing to be able to check when you first get in there, just to make sure that thing is uh, dump a bucket of water in there. What yeah. do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Dump a, or just kind of push the you know the the little thing up. You know the thing. Yeah, the float. <laughs> that thing. Yes, the float. Yeah, and just, there's and so just many directions I could have went with that, but we'll leave yeah. it as a float. Um, <laughs> okay. What what other ideas do you have? Well, you know the uh, when you get back to safety wise too, I think that once you're moving into the house and you've got a lot of things happening, you're moving stuff around. Um, I'm a big believer on also rechecking radon. I'm a big, uh, you know, carbon monoxide fire detector. Test all your testers. Test them just to make sure because sometimes that house has sat vacant 30, 40, 60 days, whatever it is, maybe six months. And even though they weren't chirping, they might have already chirped themselves out of battery life. And you're sitting there with, with, and just, again, real quick, before you go on that big road trip, you check the oil, you check the tires, you make sure you have a full tank of gas, you know, and same thing with a house. I want you to make sure that when you're moving in so you can have the fun side of it and uh, not have to worry about the safety. I had another one, uh, a washer and dryer. The mm-hmm. washer, you know, when they're cleaning it out and stuff like that, the the hose kind mm-hmm. of disconnected, yep. you know, or the drain disconnected. And then the first time they did their, you know, wash, it turned into a, you know, ended up, it was a upper level one. It ended up in the main floor. Right. So that's that's another thing. Just because, I mean, when you're moving, mm-hmm. things get, you know, when people are moving out, they're cleaning or the cleaner did it or you know, whatever, but that's a good thing to check. Text, text, text just said, check your dryer vent. Oh, fantastic idea. Though Those are probably the number one cause of fires in houses I, I've heard um, based on the lint getting full in there and not cleaning that lint trap out, especially if they don't have straight pipe um, where it's that flex pipe, which is illegal, I think now, and it's the... You want to have straight piping, and that's something to take a look at when you're doing your inspection, actually, is to make sure that that is vented properly to the current code. Um, you'll you'll thank yourself later for sure. It's a great idea. All right, we have a text, another one. By the way, if you want to send your real estate question via text, that's 81807. 
Here's one of the guys that says, I'd like to buy some lakeshore property in the Arrowhead area. Can you comment on trade-offs between lot and build versus pre-existing lake home? Mm. Well, you'll typically get uh, a lot more for something that's already existing, but it depends a lot on what that lot is. Right. Yep. You know, because, I mean, you talk about landscape, mm-hmm. you know, on, on that new lot. That's, I mean, we talked about that last week with right. uh, Thane Tandy and or, mm-hmm. over at Naughty Or Marina. Um, you know, I mean, to be able to riprap and do all that kind of stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. control the, uh, all of that. That's a, it's an expensive thing. Well, I think you, ultimately, Danny, what I would do is I would start with the end goal in mind. What what do I ultimately, at the end of the day, why am I buying the property? What is my use and enjoyment going to be? And then if I can't achieve that by buying an existing house and maybe lightly renovating it, you know, and uh, can I, can I uh, buy a lot and build the house that I want? But, you know, like a lot of times with lake property, a lot of people appreciate the nostalgicness of it. They actually think it's cute when it's an older cabin and then they can add maybe a new kitchen or whatever, but the bedrooms still reflect the era of when the cabin was built originally or the cabin that has the boathouse that now you can't build anymore. Those are some of those things that you may not think about when you buy just a vacant piece of land because now you you will never have that option, at least unless laws change, which I doubt they would. But um, buying that older cabin that has the boathouse or has the nice gazebo above it, which is about the coolest thing in the world when you can have a sleepover out there on the lake, that'd be kind of fun for the kids. But anyway, um, going back to renovating a cabin, and but Chris is right. If you buy a $300,000 lot or a $200,000 lot, houses are not cheap. They it's a, it's a project now you have to manage. It's going to take you six months to a year to get it built, depending on who you're using. And then you have to deal with all the different agencies that are involved with your land, from the DNR to the Corps of Engineers to the, you know, the local building officials, um, well, septic, whatever you might have to deal with. So. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah. what, finding a place that has a boathouse, I think, is a, is a huge thing <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, that can make a huge in a sale price, and that yeah. can be kind of your marketing. People are looking just for that. We can yeah. always do what we want to the house, but you can't get that boathouse. Oh, yeah. And so, Interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's some. That's one of my favorites. They actually have those books of boathouses. They have the old, and we actually were out yesterday with our, our friend Tom out on uh, uh, Lake Osakis. And he was showing us this one boathouse. It's all stone, and the boats pull in, and it literally looks like a garage, floating garage underneath uh-huh. there. They pull in there, turn their boats, and park their boats. They have a big screen gazebo above it. I was like, man, that'd be the coolest ever. I but guess. I showed one in Mound. Um, John Adams, Coldwell Banker, has yeah. it listed, and he's this boathouse is like. I mean, the house is super cool too, but this boathouse, I'm like. I'm not going. I'm staying here. But <laughs> yeah. it was like the garage door opened at house? the end. It, I mean, the water kind of comes splashing in, and mm. it's. I mean, it's like you could you could live in this thing. It was, That'd be awesome. Wow. It was fantastic. All right, guys, we have another about half hour of the show to go. If you uh, have a question for uh, Chris and Andy, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. Good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show here on CCO. Chris and Andy in studio answering your uh, real estate questions always by uh, phone or by text. Call us at 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, like some folks are doing, send a text 81807. Uh, One just came in here during the break. It says this, do I need a title for my house? Do I have to pay for one? My house is paid for. That's good. There's a couple things in there. Number one, what you need is a, a deed, you know, that you own the yeah. house. Um, that uh, and you, you should be fine without having mm-hmm. it. It's nice to have to prove it, but uh, 
the county more than likely has that, and it's been in your name, and you've been paying taxes. So yeah, and I would assume they were that. talking like an abstract or something like that, because, I mean, if you don't have a title on your property, it's yeah. probably not your property. Uh, uh, yeah. But, you know. Uh, yeah. But, but you I mean, know, if you paid off your house, are you supposed to get something? Uh, it's called a satisfaction of mortgage, and it, it shows that that mortgage was paid. That is very important to keep. I, I see a lot of disputes with the 40-year title searches of where people have bought and sold, or maybe they've refinanced, and those satisfactions get sent, but maybe they don't always get recorded or it, it's important to monitor that almost as important as to show up at closing. It's important to make sure that you follow up and make sure that your closer gets a copy of that when the property finally officially is paid off. Yeah. And, and so recorded. if you're not, if you're not in the process of selling or thinking about selling and you want to know if that's the case, you can call the, your County up and mm-hmm. ask them, you yeah. know, if that is recorded against your property, that if they have that satisfaction, if not, mm-hmm. then you want to start working on that. Absolutely. You know, because the last when you don't want to start working on it is after you've uh, fixed your house up, you've you sold it, the inspection's done, and now all of a sudden, uh oh, you know, now we got a title problem. Right. That's why you have title insurance as well. Mm-hmm. You know, title insurance protects the mortgage. Owner's title insurance protects your equity in the property. That's right. Yep, and that's you know, Cindy that we have on all the time. They can do. You don't always have to have a sale to hire a title company. You can actually be you know transferring between family members. You can be doing a higher percentage of ownership with somebody else in the family. You can, um, you know, put into an LLC, for an example, whatever you're doing. I mean, I, I always say, you know, give Title Smart a call or a, the title company of your choice, uh, attorney, whatever you want to do, and um, have them make sure that everything is recorded properly, um, that's in the right person's name, and, uh, yeah, it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's let's talk about, uh, I mean, obviously we'll still take texts and uh, phone calls if people are out there. But um, talking about um, why people are why why we're finding people are wanting to buy and or sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, um, you know, new home buyers, there's you know, they want the the home ownership kind of part. And I mm-hmm. think tax benefits are another big piece too. Well, I think that we're all raised thinking it's the American dream and that we want to get out there. And it's but but what, why are, why are you buying? I think you know, like you said, is it is rent going up? That's a big thing. I mean, Denny, you and I have talked about this on the show before. Rent has been averaging an increase of five percent a year for like That's the last. Huge. 10, it's ridiculous. The last ten years, and so the best way to lock in your expenses is to get a thirty-year fixed rate on your mortgage and lock it in. Now there's going to be people rolling their eyes right now, saying, "Well, there's maintenance and there's all these other you know you know things you have to do with a with a property." Correct. But there's also um, that can be budgeted. And if you're smart about it and you put aside, you know, let's say that you have $3,000 a year for expenses, you get 10 years where you don't have any expenses. Now you need a new roof. You got your roof covered. You know what I'm saying? So it's planning ahead is key. Here's the other big thing about renting that, uh, you know, hey, rent's going up. But the other thing that's happening with rentals right now is that the landlords are selling them. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have a choice. It's not going up. Now you're moving every year. You know, and that and that stinks. I mean, I've been uh, getting all mine um, vacated, you know, because Mm -hmm. I'm um, going to sell them and and fix them up and then turn around and sell them. But that's I mean, that's horrible for those people. You know, they're they have to pack up and move and go try to find something else. And then all the new rentals, I mean, and, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're doing, too, is you're you're pushing that rent up because you can get it because you can because there's nothing out there. Right. Exactly. I think there's. That the the other thing um, sometimes we're seeing Chris is when families are you know uh, couples are getting married and they start to have a family and they want to grow they start looking at school districts as you know I mean I know when the kids are little babies they figure they can have one house between when they get married and when they actually have the kids going to school but ultimately school districts I look at with new construction it sometimes can have a fifty thousand dollar swing in the lot prices being two blocks to the east from the west based on your school district that you're you're landing your uh, your or the zip code you're in. 
Very important. So, um, and then there's other people here too. A lot of people don't realize, you know, like when they're building wealth, it was crazy how many people I heard the other day that were not saving for retirement and that housing is one way that eventually if you pay it off and you're smart about it, you will have a nest egg, at least the value of your house. So someday you decide to just, you know, sell it off and you have enough money to put yourself into assisted living or what. I know it sounds morbid or sad, but it's true. Now you actually can afford to pay for that. You've got the money there. It's a nest egg for you to, you know. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, if you, it's rentals are not for everyone right? and really not. And uh, especially for some people that aren't very handy, mm-hmm. I'm kind of raising my hand over here, but I mean, it's like everything that happens, you know, I got to pay to have somebody go out there. Your, your well manicured hand you're raising over there. Yeah. <laughs> you noticed. <laughs> no, but, uh, but, it, but it's true. I mean, if you're, if you're a handy person and you can kind of keep up on those, those maintenance items mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it doesn't cost you as much in the end. True. So, yeah. Yep, cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, because, and I'll say it, I mean, obviously that was my big thing and we had a lot of rental properties, but I think I would have been a lot better off today if I would have just bought and sold them mm-hmm. rather than held on to them and rented them. But yeah. then there's other people that are, you know, making thirty, forty thousand a month just from their well, rentals. And think about this though too, Chris. I mean, that that's like a, anything else in life timing, right? And we just were talking to some younger couples that were like, geez, we can't get our timing right with this real estate market. And then you see some of these other couples that were buying when they were trying to sell and getting the great deals, and they've never seen a better market to buy and own a property in, and they've made more equity in the last six years than they've ever made in there, you know, ever. So it's it's a timing thing, kind of like stocks. You know, if you're the one buying at the high and you're selling at the low, you're, you're also losing on that stock that somebody else made a fortune on. So it's timing is a big thing in real estate for sure. I tell you what, should we talk uh, to Judy? Judy uh, gave us a call from Eden Prairie. Go ahead, Judy. We're listening. Hi, hi, Danny. Um, I have a question for your guest about uh, I'm considering buying into um, a senior independent living co-op and wondering what kinds of things I should watch for. Guys, what do you think Judy should do? I think Andy should answer that. Well, <laughs> co-ops are co-ops are, are exotic. Yeah. yeah, they are. They're what you're doing is you're buying a percentage of ultimately if you think about it, it's a per and everyone's done a little bit differently, so I haven't looked at the specific contracts of your building, but you generally um sometimes co-ops are designed to be an affordable way for people to retire. Um they have age windows that you have to be in. They have income windows sometimes and sometimes they don't. You know, there's I know there's one in Champlain going up right now right on the river that is is more executive level and uh but the idea there is is that you own a percentage of the building um you have inside the walls but you don't own the building itself and uh there's there's usually higher association fees I shouldn't say higher the money's moved from one side of the table to the other so instead of you paying those bills they're paying them for you and then it's included in your association dues so it's a simple way that if you want to budget yourself um but the other side of it is is that there are some of those buildings that also will limit your upside that you can make in equity. So if the building is only allowed to go up 3% a year, and even though you think it's $100,000 more in value based on today's market, they do sometimes limit what you can sell that unit for too. So you want to read your contracts front to back a couple times and or have your real estate agent do that for you. And, and uh, I think that's interesting too because, I mean, I've been doing this for a few years, mm-hmm. and uh, co-ops is just not something I, that, that I've really – dove into. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to get someone that, that does understand that um, aspect of it. And I would, you know, ask that agent. <laughs> well, yeah. And there, there was times where I've seen it where, and these, they're all different, Denny, but they're, I've seen it where if you put $200,000 down, your association fee is a lot less than if you put $50,000 down. And so there's anyway, so there's, there's a lot of different things to look into. Make sure you understand what you're getting into. And, and uh, I, I see nothing wrong with them. I think they're a great opportunity for people to get into a place and 
um, enjoy life. Okay, good. Thank you, Judy, for the call. Uh, you, I wanna, want, yeah. you want to read something? Yeah, it says uh, management company owners are getting filthy rich off the backs of renters who are getting poorer and poorer. Is that in filthy rich? Okay. So um, I'll tell you what. I don't think that's uh, necessarily true in all, all situations here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um, landlords out there that are, are barely scraping by and aren't able to do it. And you've got to remember, too, they're making payments and they're mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. And then some people, renters aren't making payments and they're destroying these places. Mm-hmm. And it costs them ten, twenty thousand. That's why I'm, what I'm getting at. I mean, I'm talking about myself. You know, I had all those, and and that's how you end up. I mean, it's not like you gotta you gotta fix all that those problems after the fact, and that's why I think the people that are getting filthy rich are the ones that are taking them, buying them, and turn around and selling them. Well, and I think there's also a little bit of a be careful with what kind of contract you sign with a management company because a lot of these management companies have the ability to make the repairs without asking you for your permission if it's under a certain dollar amount. And I'm not saying, but I've heard that some of those are pretty lucrative for those groups and that they make more money off the maintenance of them than they do off of the actual payments and the rent that they're collecting. And um, From a management company. Yeah, because so yeah. they're, yeah. they're making a cut off the repairs that are being made too. And so they, you know, it's under $1,000. They can just order it done and you're getting bills. I've had several out-of-state sellers have said that where they go, geez, we just got a you know, $850 bill for our refrigerator. And you know, the refrigerator comes and it's not even a new refrigerator. And so you got to be really, really, really careful with your rental management companies that you hire. There's some fantastic ones out there, and there's some that just like the the uh, texter said that I think are in it more for the money and not for you. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, uh, we have to take a break, but I want to get to Vicky's call answered in uh, in Plymouth first. Uh, Vicky, what is your question, please? Hi, we have a rental property, a condo in Plymouth, and we have a friend that wants to buy it, and we want him to assume the mortgage that we have. And we're wondering who could help us facilitate that. Okay, first of all, you got to see if that mortgage is assumable in the first place. If it's yeah. uh, and a lot of them, I mean, it depends what it is. But uh, in the olden days, you just just to assume it, and you didn't have to qualify. But I would doubt you have that, and you might have uh, a situation where the key could qualify mm-hmm. and just assume that mortgage. And then obviously, you know, based where the sale price is and where the mortgage amount is. They'd have to come up with that kind of money, or you'd have to work something out with that. Yep, exactly. I mean, but I would start with the mortgage. Well, I'm sure I'm sure she has a really low interest rate that makes it attractive for that person to uh, assume that mortgage. That's why they want to do it and go through the headache of doing all of that, so they can keep that person. Because it sounds like it was a friend. I think I heard, and it keeps that person's payment lower. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, if they assume your mortgage and you're off the mortgage, they're on it. Great, you know, it's a, it's an okay thing. Hey, Vicky, were they? Um, do they want to assume it because they're not able to qualify, or it's a really good interest rate? No, it's a really good interest yeah, rate, and okay. it's a condo, and we're a little upside down in it, maybe. Okay. And we don't want to have to pay closing costs and things like that that we would have to pay with the traditional real estate yep. property transactions. Yep. Yep. I'd 100% check with your mortgage company to see if it is assumable. Um, there's ways to do contract for deeds, too. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, if you ever if you, if you you need that, Andy and I are more than happy to just give you some advice over the phone. Um, 952-226-6699. Is the the number, and we can kind of help you, lead you through that too. All right, we need to take a break. Thanks, Vicky. Uh, we're going to be back with more real estate show. If you do have a question related to real estate, call us or text us. We'll uh, pick up on those questions when we come back. And welcome back to this portion of the real estate show. The remaining minutes of it, we still have time though for your real estate questions by phone, which is six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or text eight one 
800-848-8807. Chris and Andy, we have a few minutes to go. Yeah, you know, before the, well, when we broke, we were talking to uh, Vicky about mm-hmm. uh, that whole assumable mortgage thing. Um, and then, you know, where, hey, she doesn't have a lot of money to be able to pay someone right. between to be able to take it. So she's looking for advice. But in in our real estate industry, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's options for that as well. Yeah, you can be hired or actually she could have hired or can still um, a real estate agent to be a facilitator where you don't have to pay the big commissions. You can figure out, you know, hey, they're putting a couple contracts together. They're lining you up with a title company and a fair fee is, you know, this many dollars, whatever that is. So it doesn't have to be a full six, seven percent or whatever the local real estate market is is uh, fetching in your area. You can facilitate and have them do as much or as little as you want for for services. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, where you already have the buyer and the seller lined up and you just want somebody to help literally put the glue together and, and get the deal done for you. And, and um, I've done, I do that. It's a facilitator. I probably do four yeah. or five of those a year. Yeah, we call it, I always talk, when we talk about agency relationships mm-hmm. in a real estate transaction, there's there's four of them. And uh, the big thing is, is that as a, as a facilitator, I kind of call it like it's an a la carte menu. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to hey, just to market it or if you want to just to write the contract or whatever. But uh Everything is, and it's negotiable. That's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I don't know yeah. how many people know that, that you guys can do that and do do that. Well, yep. they better know it because at first substantive contact, every agent has to tell people about agency relationships <laughs> oh. in a real estate transaction. But I don't know. I'm not so Less sure that happens. Less than probably a half a percent that happens. I, you know, and it's supposed to happen every time. I mean, and, you know, like with our model homes and our open houses and everything, we do that. And all, all that is, just so you know, if you're listening and you go to an open house and somebody says, hey, you have to sign this. They're not signing you to a contract. They're signing you to something that says that you've been made aware of the different ways you can be represented. So disclosure. And until you decide the way that you want to be represented, you'll be treated as a customer. And which means that, you know, they're basically going to stay on their side of the fence and you are free to stay on your side of the fence. But the law requires us to disclose that. And a lot of agents are scared because the consumer, they think we're trying to sign them to sign up for something. And that's not the case. It's just the state of Minnesota requires that we uh, present that to you. Kind of like Miranda writes. Yeah. In a way. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. In a weird way. Kind of. (laughs) So anyways. um, All right. So we kind of talked about, uh, you know, why people are looking to buy a house, but why they're looking to sell. We're yeah. getting finding a lot of people, at least I mm-hmm. am right now, is uh, looking to downsize. Yeah. And and I don't know if I I don't know if downsize is the right word. I think it's it's right size mm-hmm. because I think downsize automatically says that, you know what, hey, I want it we want it smaller. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily that they want it smaller. They just want it configured in a different way that's more Well, we're competitive people. Them. I mean humans are competitive and we think of downsizing as a step backwards and as as we become established in you know in life downsizing to me can mean less maintenance. Downsizing can mean that you don't have a 15-car garage, now you only have a, a six-car garage. I mean, so it doesn't mean that you have to change your necessarily your um, your prestige, your status in life. You can still have that still respectable, amazing townhouse. Um, you just, you, you're changing the way you're living your life, really. it's You're downsizing your life more than the property. Well, and saying that, I mean, it's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, your lifestyle changes. And so and that might mean that, you know what, I've been on a golf course for 15 years and it's been great. I want to go try the lake now, mm-hmm. you know, or, hey, I'm on the lake and I just really want to get out and, on some acreage and have some land around me. Well, you know, we just sold this week, we sold a horse farm up in uh, East Bethel and it was 15 acres close to the city and it's beautiful, three different barns and under 400,000. And you look at the people buying it and you're like, they, they want to have animals close to town, commute downtown. And it's, it, it's like, and that stuff is still out there. So, you know, your lifestyle, I think is how I would start shopping for my house. If you're saying, Hey, I want to spend more time on the horses, more time on the lake, more time on the golf course. 
And then hiring somebody to help you, just figure that out and say, hey, can I afford to do this? Consultations usually are free. So you sit down with somebody and say, hey, what is the, you know, what does it look like to get me on a golf course? You know, are there any available properties within 15 miles of my kids or whatever that we can get onto a golf course? Or is there deeded access to a lake like we talked about last week? Can you put me on a lake? I want to keep my taxes low, but I want to have that fishing boat out every night at 630 until 10. And, um, you know, those are things that, you know, when you sit down with a professional, they'll give you that free consultation. They'll tell you if that can happen or not. And then, um, I don't know, that's the way I was, but I'm a planner, so maybe I'm different. No, that's, I think that's a good thing. I think that's what uh, that's what we do as agents is help help people plan and um, get into the right situation. I think a lot of people also maybe got into the not the right situation from the beginning. Yeah, you know, and they're kind of like, oh, geez, it's you know, I've always wanted to move and, and I'm going to finally do it. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of times where people have a cabin and they have a house and they say, you know what, I can never get there. Let's get rid of both of them and then buy one thing that, you know, maybe creates that lifestyle. Well, we were, we were driving around the lake this weekend, and I said the same thing. I says either somebody on these cabins where they don't have the docks in yet, either somebody passed away or somebody's too busy to have a cabin. And, you know, and then at that point you have to look it right in the face and say, okay, like Chris just said, reality is I'm not going to get up here enough. Maybe I should rent the vacation by owner deal and come up a couple times a year, enjoy the lake that I like by the vacation by owner deal and, and, uh, and maybe not to have yep. the expense of the maintenance. Yep. And the maintenance yourself, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're almost done this morning. Uh, any uh, open houses we should talk about? Andy, yeah, we got uh, – Yep, on our websites. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give a new website this, all this right, week. Do it's going to kind of show all my all my listings, uh, rooneymarketing.com. Let me get my – Andy, check that one out, rooneymarketing.com. You can actually yep. pull up all the brochures that we have on each property, and we got some – Got some doozies. Got awesome. Some good ones. Prasky.com for me, or you can always call us at 763-433-0850. We have buyers right now looking for investment properties. We have people looking for fixer-uppers. So if you want to sell your house and have no commissions or low commissions, and uh, we've got buyers lined up ready to go. Good deal. We'll come back again next week with more of the Real Estate Show. Here on 830-WCCO. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.